Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Daly. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to The Big Interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travel to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast wouldn't happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to join us, to become a socio, and to get every interview we produce without adverts and before it goes out on the main feed, plus lots of bonus content, including the chance to put questions to our guests and to me via the monthly Q&A. So do please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter and join the club and get your family and friends to do so. Maybe even strangers in the street. Love you. Back to part two of Mark Hately with a big interview. It's a different kind of, different gravy this second half. This is Mark on the up rather than being knocked down. This is Mark about scoring the winner in the Milan derby. AC Milan beating Inter for the first time in six years and the madness that ensued. This is Baresi, young Maldini. This is facing down the Milan chairman, president who refused to treat him properly, who refused to give him a house, who refused to honour his contract. How did Haightley resolve that? (laughs) The same way as he he approached the the battle with the dandies Michael Watt on title day at Ibrox. Chin out, arms flailing, winning at any cost. The second part of Mark Haightley talks about the way in which he learned from a great favourite of mine, Niels Liedholm, one of the three Swedes at Milan in the 50s, the Grenoli trio, who scored so many goals, played historic football. But because time moves on, in many parts of Europe, they're almost forgotten. Well, Liedholm was Haitley's coach when he reached Milan. And Mark's description of the Swede is fascinating. Here is Mark Haitley on the big interview, part two. If you've enjoyed it, tell friends. Tell Inter Milan. Don't tell Michael Watt. But leave a review and thanks for your support. Enjoy. So Simon didn't play in that tour, famously. He got to warm up a lot, but he didn't. (laughs) But you did. And and Mark, it was such a life-changing moment. And... I think latterly it was always told that the reason you become a Rossoneri was that goal in, in, in Maracanã, yeah, yeah. but it wasn't. What we're aware of, and anybody who wants to find out more can read in Hitting the Mark, is that, I mean, really remarkably, Fabio Capello had either scouted your senior at the end of 21 tournament yeah. or the scouts had reported directly yeah. to him because yeah. he was involved in the youth setup at, yes. at Milan. Yeah. And the primavera, yeah. they use. A pretty well-known, now departed uh, man that you played with at two clubs, mm-hmm. who managed you mm-hmm. at QPR. Mm-hmm. They used Ray Wilkins as an intermediary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And from Pompey, you're going to yeah, Milanello. Ray, Ray, Ray had signed, hadn't he, for Man- Manchester United in the, East, in the Easter for the summer. So tell us about the, the first inklings you get and what it feels like 
when it's proposed to you that you're going to become an AC Milan footballer from the Division 2 I think naivety, naivety played a lot in it because I'm thinking, well, Portsmouth will be pleased, right? Because I've, I've still got two years left. I might get an, an extension on, onto that because of where we were going. That's how I was thinking right then. We'll use AC Milan to get a better deal at Portsmouth. Yeah, I, yeah because I didn't... I, this is how... This is how naive I was then. You know, the, I didn't think Portsmouth would let me go. Right. You know, because yeah. I'm thinking of the money that I think what was it, 190,000 or something to sign from Coventry. Yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm still good for a couple of two, three seasons with Portsmouth. Um, and as I say, Ray then knocked, knocked on the door. The first, the first that I was aware was like two days afterwards. And after Ray Marikan. Yeah, after the Marikan. I thought I was, must have been still drunk, you know, because Ray came in and he just. <laughs> He said, I've, I've had an AC Milan on the phone and said, they, they want you to come and join them, you know. Um, I'm looking at Ray, right, seriously. Come on, Ray. Away. Have some water. Um, he said, no, I'm serious. I said, well, I, I don't know what Portsmouth will be like with that. And party but anyways, I left it, went training. And then he came back another two days after that. He said, the deal's been done. I went, wow. I said, wow. I said, what? I said, well, I've not even spoke to the club. He said, the club have done a deal. I think it was 1. Whatever, 4, 1. 1.4 million or something. Ten times more or less. Ten times ten, the initial yeah, investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a lot of money. A real lot of money yeah. back then. Um, and I said, well, I've not spoke to them. So uh, he said, well, you, you'll be leaving us right now. He said, um, Bobby's aware of it. So Bobby came to him and he just said, you're going to have to fly back and, and miss and I know it's yeah. AC Milan and it's going to prove to be yeah. a brilliant move yeah. but that's yeah. a lot going on without your knowledge or say so absolutely 100% but that's how football was done back then I fly back in I arrive at Heathrow Dennis Roach the super agent at the time he uh, um, he uh, collected me and we went to this big house uh, country house right by Heathrow airport and we sat in there for a day literally a whole day where we had the, the sporting director um, over. We had, was, I'm going to say, five or six different officials from, from the land sporting director, all that sort of stuff. And we just went from room to room to room. It was not all sat in one room. It was a crazy setup. But Dennis came back to me and said, oh, that's it, it's done. And I never even said to him, well, what? what? He said, I've got you the deal. We've got a great deal. I've got the kids sorted, we've got your house, we've got a car, we've got everything that you, I wouldn't even thought about. It was done. As I say, I flew in and from day one till the day I left it became a manic experience. Manic for good and bad, yeah. I would think, because, yeah. you know, you're, you're going, how to explain this, Mark, or how to set you up to explain it because you played there. Syria in those days was demanding and brutal and conservative and... You you had to have a technique to survive in that league. And I probably arrived with all the attributes of a British centre-forward. Physical, um, yeah, lots of energy. And the technique was not bad for a young, young player. But it was it was not good enough. It was not good enough to 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 get me through an Italian league. It wasn't good enough. I had to improve pretty quickly. One of the first things to yeah. explain to people was that they were still quite often using five at the back yeah. in the negative sense. Not the yeah, sense yeah. now where yeah. five at the back means that you might have three left with the two players wingers. 
But you played with a sweeper. Yeah. So that, that, that sweeper was, that was part big. of the four. Yes. And, and yeah. you, so in other words, you had a three in the middle yeah. to play against. Yeah. Yeah. Your sweeper was either yeah. in behind the set half yes. or in front of. Yes. But absolutely. it was a negative thing, It was right? a negative thing. And, and, and I had a cast to a, 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 a colleague and a friend of Ian Rush when he went to Juventus and, you know and you look at how Ian Rush used to play the game at Liverpool he used to nip off the back of a centre half and that's that's why it was a that game the Italian game was a problem for Ian because of that that sweeper. space was asphyxiated yeah. by the sweeper yeah 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 so his strength was taken away from him straight away uh, of the Dalglish rush you know slip that ball in one touch finish bump 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 where I had the physicality to be able to to manoeuvre and manipulate, you know, people into into areas where I I, I wanted them, and that was a, a strength. But what I had to work on was the strength in holding the ball in, which Bobby Campbell, Bobby Campbell told me was on about. And what they did, uh, what Niels did initially when we trained, because he did things with me in the afternoon as well with Fabio, um, he put me in a box, a box where I couldn't come out of across the pitch when we were playing in, in a small What was game. its dimensions? Oh, I'm going to... Vaguely, vaguely. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say probably four metres. Four metres by 12 metres. So the four metres is depth and the 12 is width. So you're literally, you're literally talking goalposts, an area. Yeah, so... Bailey territory. Yeah, so on the edge, of, it's, and it was the edge of the box. So there was no, there was no, it was a shorter game. The goals were brought up. And it was close up, right? So I couldn't come out the box, but players could come and tackle me in the box. Okay. All right. So I had to find the space in the box, in that box, to be able to get the ball. It makes me think about like a lion in yeah. a jail. That's yeah. king of king yeah. of a small yeah. area, but yeah. so you have yeah. to dominate yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. it. Has to be your territory. Yes. Correct. One of the things we have to do to help the listener is explain Niels. Now I grew up loving the past loving bizarre stories of football where heroic people that had just been before my birth and my awareness and Grenno Lee is a trio that I have always been utterly fascinated by because in a time when European footballers didn't move around a lot i.e. the 50s Gunnar Gren Gunnar Nordahl and Niels Liedholm formed a trio at Milan in 58 and scored between them for Milan I mean something like 400 goals They, they were Unbelievably, yeah. uh, and they all played up front together. Yeah. And the one that we're honing in on is Niels Liedholm, who in his time coached Sweden, coached Roma, but at this stage yeah. he's your coach, yes. a Swedish ex AC Milan striker who's yes. now so in he'd charge been at the club of you. before. So he knew the club. He Describe him. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about him, the man, the coach. I'm going to say six foot three, six foot four, um, sixty. I'm going to say sixty-four, probably at the time. And a man that had probably achieved everything he needed to achieve in football and in life. You know, he was, he was that you know Scandinavian. He was, he was so laid back. It was, it was absolutely perfect for me because I'm sort of still. I was at that age where you, you're in wired, a hurry. Yeah, in a hurry, wired to the moon. <laughs> I couldn't sit down. Needed to be doing something all the time. And he was a, a cooling influence to me. He would. He would send everybody in and he would walk around the pitch with me. We'd walk around Milanello for 40 minutes and, and he would just talk to me. Just talk to me about everything or anything. What you're doing, how's your family, all that sort of stuff. And, and then, you know, with the experience that he had then, 
and his knowledge of the game of football, he said, I see a big, I see whatever you want to be, you can do whatever you want to do. The first thing that I, with pre-season was the, the physical side of me. It was like heart monitors back then. You had the, they were so ahead of the game. It was like a half a horseshoe. It was like a 150 metres and a 200 metre run. Right, and you would, you would do one, you would sort of jog back, you would do the other, and you would jog back, and you would do six of them in a pre season. And my times would, would not drop. They would, they Across would get, the six? Yeah, they would really? Get, they would get quicker, and he, he couldn't, not, I could not un- understand where I was getting this. Because every normally the figures yeah, will go down. Yeah, because yeah, you have this, the sport, yeah, you have the uh, fitness coach. The fitness coach was going, look at this data. Yeah, just a good old-fashioned stopwatch. We said, because we was only doing three, right? So I did the three, the last one was the faster. And uh, uh, he said, can you, do any, can, you do, can you do another three for us? So I did three again. It's literally, I'd had a, like a five-minute rest because we'd finished. He said, can you, can you do another three for me? And the other boys had gone away sort of stuff. So I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to do the 150 or do you want me to do the 200? I said, just do the 200, right? So I did the same again, and the same again. And it was the third one was literally half a second slower than the first one. The sporting fitness coach was going, this is like, and this is all down to my dad not buying me a bike. <laughs> Tony forgiven. Yes. So you have, you're telling us that you had such inbuilt resistance, they call it now, yeah. not just pace, yeah, yeah. but stamina, resistance. Yeah, yeah. Did, did you know you were going to be able to perform at that level doing that exercise? Because that no, is famously really. the thing that footballers yeah. hate most. No. Yeah, no, I didn't. I just didn't know, but I knew I could run. And so you've been running back from youth club with your boots on and your parker when you're 12 and you're 13 years old and you've got three miles to run. And I'd leave it later and later, as you do. You've got to be in by half past ten. You've got to be in by ten. And I believe it, it literally 12 minutes ago. Three miles became a sprint. Yeah, it became a sprint. So I was with a big parker on and all that sort of stuff. The hoodie one that we all wore in the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And DM boots. Oh, yeah. You've got Martins on. All that, yeah. We are are children of the hour, aren't we? By the way. (laughs) This is a blast from the past. (laughs) So... Yeah, so that that was that was my life all the time. So I was chasing around after my pals on their bikes. I probably had to run two mile, three mile every time we used to play football. So I'm run, 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 run. So I'm just like a, a running machine. So I had that ahead of everybody. It's just the rest of it I needed to put in place. And, and Leadon wanted you to control that, so yes. that you were only working in certain areas, the yeah, areas that yeah. mattered most yeah. to the team. And, I, and I'll tell you this right now, and I, and I think about it right now. If you don't think about it then, all right? And he was telling me, you know, he said, I just want you to be, you know, playing the width of the goal. And this is, this is why, you know. And he would take me in, in an afternoon with Fabio, right, put a load of cones down, have a goalkeeper. Um, I mean, loads of cones, loads of cones on this pitch and just walk me through. If the left back, we want you in this. So it's like a, there was like V's and Y's across the park in the areas I should be working, right, and not working. So the first thing he told me to do, I don't want you to tackle fullbacks. And I'm going, well, that's what I, that's what centre forwards do. So I'll explain why I don't want you to ta- tackle the fullback. And this, we're talking about, you know, the high press and all that yeah. the modern game. Yeah. This was back then. He said because if you go out into that area, a left-sided, right, 
that will stop our left-sided midfield player engaging high up the pitch and in turn will stop the left back engaging high up the back. We want the game to be squashed, right? So we, we work hard, we win the ball back and we're on the front foot. So back then, that's, that, that's what they were wanting me to do. It's just work within the width of the penalty box and that's all we want you to do. And right down like that, just like that. It was not like that, it was like that. But most Italian sides that you faced under this regime wouldn't have played out via the centre-backs. Mm. So you would only have had to press when play was broken. It wasn't. You weren't pressing as they played out. Yeah. You might be pressing as their midfield hadn't got up. Yeah, you yeah. recycle yeah, it, it yeah, comes yeah. back to centre-half. Yeah. Then you yeah. go. Yeah, and that would all be dictated by Franco on a whistle anyway. Because Franco just had one whistle and... He, he would come up he would come up a massive way this is Franco Barres yes, yeah. we're talking about yeah. so he's got Costa Corta who's a young player he's in, in and out away to Como back um, Di Bartolome uh, the Roma captain he, he was playing around that area great guy um, and he got a, a Tosotti a young Tosotti so soon as Franco gave this whistle he would come marching up the pitch and stand from his sweeper role into like a defensive midfield role yeah but everybody had to be in front of him hold the line with him if no, he goes yeah but everybody had to go in front of him in front of him so he was still the sweeper okay yeah okay and if god forbid if you he would go absolutely mental and that would be the sign of us all to go bump 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 he was a trigger and then yeah. you all yeah. acted yeah. so yeah. effectively he was like the quarterback coach or, yeah. or on the pitch when, when it was time to press at least yeah. if he comes yeah. then you yeah. must we're coming up if we're coming up three, four, five metres with Franco right and everybody's coming up in front of him everybody else has to do the same yeah, so and the, and the opposition would normally then, if they were pressed, they'd maybe bomb the ball long. Yeah, yeah, keeper yeah. would and cover Franco it. Would go light a cigar. <laughs> Thank you very Bring much. It down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just getting back to that walking around the pitch and all that. Like, yeah, X's and Y's. Yeah, yeah, there's a 12 year old boy came after me every time I would do that sort of stuff, and it was Marco Simeone. A man. Yes. Who would be Fabio and Niels would practice corners, free kicks and penalties with him for half an hour. Even at 12, they'd seen what that kid could yeah. become. Yeah. But n- none of them knew that you'd both end up scoring yeah. lots of goals yeah, in yeah. light blue yeah. in the south side of Glasgow. Yeah, yeah. It's extraordinary. There was a, we, we can't, there's another little kid doing all right and has done okay mm. since, and I think that young Maldini was coming through while yes, you were yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, I'm in contact with Paolo a lot. A stylish yeah, man, yeah, eh? Yeah, yeah, great guy. Great so, guy. To, 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 for anybody to try and understand the, the, the nature of this club that you, you star at and you still love that, Maldini might be their greatest ever achiever, their greatest yeah. ever player. And when he left, he'd fallen out with the ultra so much that he kind of booed away in yeah. his last position yeah. around the pitch because of. A stance he'd taken. Yeah. It's a dem- what, my yeah. point is, it's the most. Ultras run a football club, you know that. I mean, I, I'm, Free I'm tickets. In, I'm in, yeah, I'm in close contact with the Ultras. I was over for the Cordova Sud uh, 50th anniversary four or five years ago. Where they, 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 they we're going to celebrate the thing yeah. they celebrated with you yeah. in a second because yeah. you're, you're a legend but for many get, reasons. Yeah, just getting back to Paolo. Paolo used to come in with me and Ray because he. He don't forget he was in the same sort of shadow as I was from Cesare Cesare Baldini very f- successful player in his own right at the football club one, European yeah. Cup winner yeah. with, with the Rossoneri yeah same sort of same sort of same position yes same position so exactly yes. the same thing with you and Tony yeah so Paolo came and he was we used to take a bit of training and he was learning his English and all that sort of stuff but also 
to understand where I was coming because he knew my background as well. And my dad, my father, and all that. Because Cesare would know my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Cesare was in and around the football club then. Yeah. Not a great, uh, not a, a great. In, I'm going to say bad word. Great importance, but he's as a as a, an ex player, he was there sort of stuff. Don't forget, Paolo was only 16 at the time, so he was sort of training with the first team. Um, Ivani would be playing left back at the time; he would be a left-sided player. And then in the last, in the mid, in the in the second season or the third season, and then Paolo would be coming into the team as a 17-year-old. So he was taking the same journey as I was. So. You know, he's an intelligent boy. So right? there, there yeah. were things to share between you. Absolutely, as... hundreds and stuff to share. You know, and there wasn't a massive age difference. I mean, not a gigantic no, 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 age no. Dis- so there's difference. What, four or five years or something. Perforce, in a life like yours, described in hitting the mark. I, I hate this, but we we have to skip. There are two things we can't leave Milan without talking about. The first is before your maybe the greatest uh, moment. Is, is when you have to take on the hierarchy, yeah. the ownership, yeah. in order to be even... Tri- Giuseppe Farina. Farina, whether it's deliberately or those underneath him, are kind of treating you like somebody, well, he's lucky to be here, he'll have to take yeah. what he gets in, in terms of car yeah. and accommodation. Yeah, yeah. So they've got this great big asset. It could be brilliant yeah. for them. And they're making you, it almost seems deliberately or else obstinately, unhappy... Because yeah. they fail to fulfil any of your living conditions. Yeah. The contract. Tell that story in your, your own way. Well, was, was, I think it was the Duca di Milano. The hotel was called. It's a five-star hotel. I've got two kids under the age of two. Um, one in a high chair. And Whoa. it's five dining. Fine dining. Yeah. And Formal and Italian. Yeah, yeah. And it's nappies. We've, you know, you no disposable nappies back in the days. We've all been through this. It's tough. tough. And it's probably the worst. They... Five star hotel. What's the matter? What are you moaning at? You're staying at a five star hotel. You're getting this. I said, you don't understand a, a, a British man, you know, an Englishman's it's house. Home. Is his castle. Yeah. yeah yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where I want to be. The goal, the goal, the Milan derby came pretty early because I got sent off in my first game mm. in, in the Coppa Italia. So that automatically elevates you with with a curveball, right? So they've got this man, boom, and. Flattened this guy, knocked him out, whatever. Headbutt. Yeah, yeah, headbutt. Good old-fashioned Glasgow kiss. That's where I live in Glasgow. Um, you've got the ultras that are jumping up and down. and they're Loving it. They've got their warrior. He's one of us. Attila's, Attila is born, right? Yeah. Um, and then five games in from that sending off, we have the Milan derby. Um, the history of the Milan derby, as you know, Graham, is one of the greatest derbies globally. I'm going to say that you know, the, the animosity, the hatred between the two sets of fans is... They share a stadium, is a, is which isn't a happy thing. No. So you're going to hate each other. Yeah, yeah. They both won European Cups yeah. in, in mm. the 60s, and our, our sponsors, Bet365, want to know yeah. exactly what it was like scoring yeah. that goal. Yeah, you've got Inter, who are at top of the tree. Right, they've got Rummenigge playing for them, and they've got uh, um, Liam Brady that's you know has had a successful stint in Italy, um, and they are the team. Right, so first and foremostly, Milan were coming back for irregular bettings or whatever you want to call they've it. They've been so relegated from misbehaviour. Yeah, so they're, they're back through, they're back in, and they just established themselves. It's a really young side. 
you've got a young Masaro that comes through, a young Donadoni that's coming through, a young Ivani, a young uh, uh, Gali, Filippo Gali as well, Tassotti, young Baresi, and a young Maldini. So you've got a young, young side, a young Mark Haley, and you've got the D Bartolome, who's the experience, and you've got Ray, who's got the experience. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're coming through, and we're, we're sort of building something. We'd had a good start to the season. I'd scored four goals in the first five games, um, and I was up there. You know, everybody was writing about me. Some had a, an incident with a journalist up at Milanello. Pinned into the wall, aren't you? Yeah, pinned into the wall with Franco laughing his head off behind me and rabbling on at this Italian journalist. Um, and I hope, in and I put I, him down. I hope he's got, got, a ta- got a tap on my back from from Ray and, and Franco. I put him down because I, I completely he wrote a completely false story about everything. Um, and it was uh, the Gazzetta della Sport, the big pink, the, the Bible, world. Fi- yeah. That's a great expression, the Bible. I hope right, this fellow yeah. was wearing brown trousers. Oh, well he, yeah, he was quite favourable after that incident. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so it was just Franco's face when I. Because you, know, you don't generally treat the Italian press that way, even no, the no, Italian no, legends. No, 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 no. You they, might go to yeah, war with yeah, them, but yeah. it's silencio stampa. Yeah, yeah. Normally, the yeah. the attitude was just yeah. to not to talk yeah, to them, yeah, not yeah. to take them by the scruff of the neck and hold them against the wall. Against a rough cast wall, you know. So I got him literally on his toes against a rough cast wall, and I've got steam coming out of my ears, my head. I'm like, I'm like that, so I'm, I'm in match mode. Somebody's sent you off on this because at that stage you're not reading Italian perfectly. Yes, yeah. So somebody said to you, Mark. Look yeah, what you're saying, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this this comes to the fore. Um, anyway, that gets sorted. Um, Milan derby comes around. Um, great occasion. I mean, it's, it's about ninety-two thousand crammed in to, to San Siro, um, and it was like all the planets had aligned itself for that day for me. Um, Colabati, ex-captain, jump ship. You know, now, now. Cross to the enemy. Yeah, yeah. Cross to the enemy. And I'm playing up against him. You know, um, game starts well. You know, um, Outer Belly, who's uh, became a good friend of mine over over by working for BN Sports. Um, he always, we always sit down and have a glass of wine and chat about the, the, that particular time because uh, Il Spilo was was a great player. World Cup final scorer. Yeah, brilliant. Famous. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, similar sort of. Physique to me, um, he scores. Um, Di Bartolome scores, and then we're coming up, into, you know, into the period of the game, second half, where it's nip and tuck. It's nip and tuck. Um, I think we win a ball back on the halfway line in a wider area on the right-hand side, and a ball's knocked out to Pietro Palaverdis, who is a great player to play with. He hoiked this ball into the. I'm going to say the edge of the box, edge of the box-ish, and I'm sort of got I'm all over this ball. Uh, I'm seeing it from a, a long way away. It's coming. And what Colavati did, he showed me his number as soon as I, as soon as he showed because when when you're standing like that, he's seeing me all the time, and he got drawn to to go to the ball. And as soon as he show, showed me his number, I was on, and I could not I could not miss this ball. See, that's your description. Yeah. Any normal human being would think this is a huge jump. It's yeah. very difficult. Once I get up there placing it, yeah. and you're, yeah, you're yeah, yeah, putting yeah. it, I can't miss this. Yeah. I, I miss, uh, Walter Zenger, the goalkeeper for Inter that day, I, you know, I bumped into him a lot of times. And I actually said, I can't believe you actually tried to, to save that. You know, 
and, and take the mickey out of him because it went like a bullet. It, it was went beautiful. in the top corner. But it was not a goal that I was unaccustomed to because yeah. I've done it a lot of times, yeah. you know, youth level and all that sort of stuff. It was a so bigger was, goal than the, the Maracanã one because the Maracanã, yeah. you're a little closer to the goal. Yeah. But in terms of the loft of the yes, cross yeah. and it waiting yeah. there for a Mark yeah. Henley yeah. leap, yeah. there's some similarity at yeah. least. Yeah, it is. Um, that's something that I learned from my dad. You know, my dad, when I was young, would hang a ball off a line for me. So to oh, the, a washing line out in the garden? Yeah, a washing line out in the garden to be able to jump across and jump you know and head the ball and it's not about the neck it's all about shoulder rotation and all that sort of stuff and you get that's where you get the power from so your, t- your top yeah. half of your top so, body is twisting so you, you you sort of yeah it's it's all boom it's all part and parcel you've automatically as you're showing us you've, you've yeah. got both arms out here to balance you yeah, yeah yeah so it's all coming from here uh, originally okay. through the shoulders and through the neck and then the solid and there's the, so yeah, yeah. even in the garden the sit-ups that you're yeah, doing yeah, with your dad have yeah, helped you yeah, get that yeah. twist well they helped me get the elevation for first and foremost yeah. they used to call it hang time yeah you know because once you see the, once you see a defender's number you're jumping up against him and he is then elevating you even you see Ronaldo do it you, you just it get perfect. a little bump from his yeah. body just a, yeah. and it just gives you as he tries yeah. to you're up ahead yeah. and as he's, he's going up it just gives you that you hang higher, the yeah, elevation yeah. And, and what ball are you using in the back garden when your dad's got that hand oh, an old-fashioned leather-heavy ball? Yeah, it's not, it's not the ones that's all not with a lace. It's still a heavier ball. Anyway, um, you know, that's the thing. But it was a static ball, so yeah. it was just me with the running, you know, the distance that you need to take off before you're heading the ball. All slight little things that you never even think about when you would teach a young person to but to when your glory day comes in sincere it does owe a little bit to the back garden yeah, and the washing line absolutely 100% so my, that's what I'm saying my dad made me the best he, he could and then I took it from there so the basics of being able to head a ball as a number 9 this is a movie by the way it's got to be I would say so before the rest of this big interview I'd like to tell you that our entire archive of audio and video content is now on our new YouTube channel. We've begun filming all of our interviews, and there are already loads of clips with guests, including Rio Ferdinand, Connor Cody, Brendan Rogers, and Jamie Carragher, plus full interviews for you to watch and to share. Please do share with friends. Go to YouTube and search Graham Hunter or click on the link in the show notes to this episode and become a subscriber. I honestly think you'll enjoy it. Thanks. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improves definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, I'm going to give you a little extra rule, which is for Berezi, because you don't look back, you don't live in the past, so you may not have seen, but we researched this a little bit. So I've got to watch that goal a lot. And when the ball breaks, whether it's Franco that wins it, and I think it might be, he's he's given the press, it might be, but Franco continues his run, which is quite rare for him. So as you get up and score, Franco wearing, I think, three, he's skipping and jumping like a little leprechaun, and he's a serious I'm standing there like that, and they're all hanging off me. He's just (laughs) doing a little jump as the stadium, the Rossoneri part of it goes mental. But he's like a little happy leprechaun, because it had been, I think, six years. Six years. Since... Milan had beaten Inter yeah. in a derby, yeah. and, and it just goes absolutely crazy. I mean, Mental. I don't know the, the, the adrenaline or the... Yeah, listen, the, 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 you don't realise what you've done. Right? You've yeah. scored a goal. Um, we beat Inter. You know, we've been a really good side. Rumenigo, Liam Brady, as I said. And it's another, another tick. I've scored another goal. I'm six games into my career. I'm getting all the headlines, and I'm focusing on working with Niels working with Fabio on a technique to be the better player every time. So you, I didn't never pondered on that goal. Uh, everybody tells you, see when you finish your career, as you're doing now, Graham, you just said to me, the, the, the enormity of that goal, that only becomes relevant after the fact, right? So way down the line, my relationships with the play, with the old players, Massaros and Donadonis and Franco. I love the way you've Malden. kept in touch. I, yeah. I respect that. Well, uh, Paolo was doing the same job as me as business development at, at okay. Milan uh, when I was working in, at, at Rangers. So we shared information, you know, uh, different sort of stuff because they were in a, 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 a not a good situation. No. So it was, you know, swapping stuff and all that sort of stuff. And we bring their legends over to play at Ibrox. And, you know, and, and, and all those sort of stuff. So we kept in good contact. I went over to look at their museum because of what's happening at, at Ibrox. I wanted to develop this yeah. as a building at the back of, you know, Edmonston House, which has been knocked down. It's going to be a museum. It's vital there. for any big club so with history. I went over there to, to have a look at the museum and what they've done with the superstore. You know, basic 21st century. Smart. Doing, doing your homework. Yeah. And with myself and and, and Paolo um, and and Franco, because Franco's English is oh, never no. been, yeah no. But he was he was we had a we had a great day. I must admit we had a couple of laughs and some food and, and what have you. So 
oh, it's great to go back over those things. And in that museum, there's that special moment. Well, not just in the museum, because the Curve of Sud un- yeah, unfurled yeah, one of yeah, these. Yeah. They've done this painting, yeah. and they unfurl it, and it's yeah. you with the leap. And it covers can all I, of the Curve of Sud. I just say, I was doing a show for Being Sport out in Qatar, and I sat with Rude Hullet and a couple of other guests and a presenter. Right, I'm standing up against the big board, the big, big TV, right? And it flicks up, and it is that. They're on is, for, a t- like, is it a TFO or something? It's a yeah. TFO, yeah. yeah. It, and, the whole th- and I haven't seen it, because I'm literally talking oh, to the presenter, not bad. and they're all laughing. And, and, and I turn around, and I say, whoa, and it's that picture. With your leap yeah, and your yeah, half yeah, body yeah, above yeah. Mm-hmm. your man. Mr. Colavati. Colavati. It's a beautiful goal. Um, and, it, and that takes us to the next stage of the sit-down with Farina. Because I love yeah. the way you stood up, then, because, again, just like with the journalists, in Italy, there's a big hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I don't want to call them pompous people in those days, but there definitely was a sense, don't, don't poke our dignity. Mm-hmm. In Britain, yeah. we grew up where you, you give, you, OK, there's a class system here, but you yeah. can give and take. Whatever. Now, in Italy, that wasn't done. And what you do do is, like, I'm not yeah, taking yeah, this yeah, anymore. Absolutely. I've got that, I've got that mood on. Um, so what happens? I was getting an earache from the missus. All right. So we're in a hotel, the kids are throwing a big food motivator. All over. Yeah, and I'm thinking, am I scared of her or him? I'm scared. <laughs> Look, I'm, more, I'm more scared of her than him. Right? See, I don't know this guy for Adam. I mean, I'm at this football club. All I'm doing, I'm playing for. I, I don't play for. I play for him, but I don't play for him. I, I've always played for supporters. Uh, oh, very as a football good. fan. Very good. Right? Yeah. So I'm sat. Um, I get right. I need an interpreter, right? I need something. I, I, but I know he speaks English, right? So you picture this. He, he's, he's based in South Africa because he's not allowed in Italy, right? So he's flying in for the, all this the is after home. the match fixing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's flying in, comes to the game, has his food, flies back the next day. So and I said to him, I can't remember the sporting director, get me a meeting with him first thing in the morning before he flies back. He said, why? I said, that's for me. Right, and you see him. So the meeting's arranged. Uh, we turn up at Via Tarati, myself and Ray. We walk into the to the boardroom um, after being kept waiting for about fifty minutes. We walk in and I, we sit down. And it's a big long table, and there's a big bookshelves with all Milan books on it, history of the football club. And Farina sits right at the end of the table. He's got three play, three three guys sitting either side of him. He's got a guy standing at the back of him. Show force. Well, I'm thinking, is that all you bought? <laughs> <laughs> right, so we sit down and um, through his interpreter, the, the, the guy said, I think, great, great game yesterday, all the, the niceties and, you know, all that. And uh, uh, I said, yeah, yeah, boom, 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 boom. Um, I said, right, the reason I'm here, um, and I know he can speak English, right, the, the, the reason I'm here, I want a house, I want a house for Ray, I want a car for me, and I want a car for Ray. Right, I want it by next Friday. Right, so if it's not here by next Friday, I'm gone. You're not fulfilling the contract. I'm away. He goes like that. He taps the guy that's standing up, and he walks down and he pulls this massive big book out. It's like the Milan Bible. It's, a, it's an opus, big massive big book. Puts it down in front of me. So I open it up, and the guy, Mr. Farina, is saying, he said. If you want to be in this book, he said, you listen to what we do and what we want, right? And I sort of went, slammed it to, and I stood up, and I, you know, nicely slid it back, but I threw it too hard, 
and it went all the way down and it fell right in his lap. All right, right, without a word of a lie, I stood up and I said, if you want me to be in there, two cars, two houses by Friday. And I literally grabbed Ray by the scruff out of his chair and went straight through the door. Guess what? We had a house <laughs> and two cars by Friday. As you closed the door, was it that... sort of wobbled a bit. It sort of <laughs> came off. It came off because it was a massive, big door, big, big, solid thing. I mean, I'm going to say eight, eight, nine feet, massive. And it was one of them. I pushed the right through it. And it Bosh. Boosh. And it. What was was Mr. Wilkins generally a, a yeah. slightly calm or more diplomatic? I just went to radio. How do you think that went? <laughs> Oh, it's beautiful. This is the this is the way that great men of talent achieve more in their lives. But that's only that's me being honest with myself. No, I, I well, listen. You can't be a cheated on a contract and then pushed around. Yeah. yeah. Little did I know that the situation Farina was in at the time, because he was money was short, all that sort of stuff, and he was always. Sort so of making, rather than outright disrespect, it was yeah. cost cutting because they were in trouble. And yeah. round the corner was a fella called yeah. Berlusconi yes. who was going to yes. buy the club. Yeah. Again, because your life is so rich, some of my knowledge, although I followed Mark uh, closely uh, because he was a player I admired and who did me lots of damage, um, is in hitting the mark, which I urge you to buy because you'll enjoy it. All of this tone of voice, all of this honesty, all of these escapades as well as his talent they're all in there now I'm not going to ignore France where you're a mm -hmm. title winner mm -hmm. where you meet and work with Arsene Wenger where possibly one of your most special footballing partnerships is with Glenn Hoddle but we, this is where I self-inflict our socios are our members they're our ultras and they've been with us since six years ago mm -hmm. one of our most loyal so I'm just going to read this out mm -hmm. Mark Finley McDonald he knows me. Yeah. I know you'll want to skip over most of Mark's Rangers career. However, if you could ask him about a game at Patodri in December 1991 where he scored two crackers at Finlay's a Blue Nose, yeah. two crackers in the first half, assisted a McCoist Peach, yeah. and also assisted the Don's second goal with a dreadful back pass and a 3 to win for the Jurors. The linesman denied him his hat-trick, but he was the focus of everything about the Rangers play that night and well worth a watch on YouTube. There were so many classic Jurors versus Don's games yeah. in that era that this one is often overlooked. Also, did he know as soon as Walters crossed it for him earlier that year that he'd get the header? Finley closes with saying, I can understand if you don't want to go there. And there's another one here that's really, really good, and it's from an Aberdeen fan, mm -hmm. Robert McIntosh. In the lead-up, this is Robert's words, in the lead-up to May 1991, the title of the cider at Ibrox, was there any discussion about the clattering of Michael Watt. I don't know if you remember yes. him. He was our goalkeeper. Yeah. Still on crutches. No offence. Early, early, the clattering of Michael Watt. Early in the, I had to get something in yeah, there. Completely <laughs> deflated him, I think. Literally. Uh, the, the clattering of Michael Watt early in the game. There can be no Aberdeen-filtered, holier-than-thou attitude given Neil Cooper's infamous scything down of Charlie Nicholas mm. before he'd even left the centre circle. Mm. But Robert says, it would be genuinely interesting to understand the mentality of the team, mm -hmm. the tone of the team talk that mm -hmm. day, 
and how a professional footballer approached the physical and the psychological preparation for that game at Ibrox. And a different question would be whether the same tackle in 2020 challenge in 2021 would result in a dismissal. So Robert and Finlay have asked those questions, yeah. Mark, and you pick away at them as you please. Well, I'll take you to that. Thing. Well, let's start at the beginning, 1990, which was a long season for me because I'm coming off the back of that. Bad injury. Four operations, yeah. two years, yeah. and touch and go. The decision to move away from Monaco, um, leaving uh, a place that had been a good place and a bad place for me, mm-hmm. a lot of dark stuff, uh, and eight months of a lot of drinking, a lot of partying. All, 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 all the stuff um, which you learn from um, into uh, an opportunity where Graham finally got me to come to Rangers because Graham tried to get me two or three times to come um, and our relationship goes back a long way having with, played yeah, against yeah, him Covenant yeah, yeah, Liverpool yeah, yeah, Sampdoria yeah, Milan yeah, absolutely good understanding really, really good friends to this day I bumped into him just by just by sheer chance uh, in 1990 he was staying at the Hotel de Paris with the chairman uh, and a couple of the, uh, directors watching you know the Scotland team play in and around Italy and I was just out with the, the kids have, uh, uh, getting them an ice cream and I bumped into him walking through the casino square he said oh big man how are you body body I said I know your predicament he said how do you fancy coming to play for us uh, off, then I've just been off uh, well I've just signed um, a new four-year contract, so I've got four years to go. Anyway, uh, I sleep on it. Uh, I'm still unsure. I go and see Wenger the next day. I explain what's happened, and he completely understood my situation. He said, "Mark, he said we know, we know you're going to be big, bigger and better. We've given you a four-year contract, yeah. low more money, all the all everything, tax-free, more money." And he said, I'm, I've just bought in George Weah, a young player, and I want him to be coming to play with you because I was playing with Ramon Diaz, the Argentinian Maradona's partner. I said, I really need to think about it. And he said, I understand it, whether you need a change of environment, a change in look. But he said, our faith is totally with you, but whatever decision you make is what is good for us. And that's how he was with me. Um, he was honest, um, straightforward. Um, I went away, slept on it, and... Yeah, I phoned him and said, I'm going to go. Um, and he wished me all the very best. Um, little did I know that he would then be leaving and off on his travels to Japan. I went down to see Graham and he just said, yeah. I said, do you want to talk money? I said, no. I just I said, I'm, I'm coming. Do you deal with Dennis? So I went and joined Rangers for one-fifth of what I was getting paid there and getting taxed on Le- Literally, I mean, almost nobody in life voluntarily takes a pay cut. I'm talking about anybody one, in life one fifth, voluntarily. Yeah, one-fifth, I took. By a fifth. Yeah. And tax. to go from tax-free, yeah, which yeah. if Henry's not following that, because not many of us live tax-free, it means you don't pay any tax. What you earn, you, you get. get. Yeah. Which... In yeah. life, yeah. is yes. it, it sets you up forever. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. rejected the, the sunshine, yeah. La Tour well, yeah, which is a yeah. beautiful place a to train. Way of life, family life, completely different to the Milan life. You're giving peace and quiet in yeah, Monte Carlo. Around. My wife then was with the kids, with Princess Caroline and her kids, knocking around with Prince Albert. You and I have got a pal in common in Albert. Yeah, I've been at the palace guy. twice to meet him. Good guy. I made that decision to move. Um, getting, just getting on to the Aberdeen thing there you know that first season was a hard season I, I thought it would be 12 games before I was up and running and I was actually I'm going to say 22 easy 22 games before everything became natural everything became comes a natural element of, of playing a game of football that's what my dad said All right. you know once you've got that natural feel 
that you oh I don't have to make this run I don't have, you just you do it naturally I had that all come in it was like boom in one game I can't remember what the game was but it, it must be 20 odd games in so the frustration it took double the time yeah, you imagine so, it would yeah. but when it clicks it just it goes was, oh, bash boom it's like pure clarity, clarity. it's yeah. like a, the pictures there you describe it well yeah. yeah and I think the frustration a certain number of the Eastern closure had uh, myself uh, playing with Morris we talked about Morris before Morris was a great player coming back from France but he was he was drift out to the left wing drift out to the right wing where I was always leading through the middle so leading through the middle you either have to have two good runners from midfield or you have to have a partner and Morris needed to stay there but he liked to you know adventure as you said and be involved um, a twist, of, a twist of fate, I think. Morris actually dislocated his shoulder at Petaudry, throwing a, a load of mud into the floor because he missed a chance and threw his own shoulder out. It's the magic of Petaudry. Alistair comes into the side, um, who's been on the bench watching. Alistair's not stupid, no, he's making a joke. He's a yeah, very intelligent yeah. boy. And straight away, it was one of them. You know, it was that once-in-a-lifetime partnership at one of the, the greatest institutions in Scottish football. They just went from strength to strength to strength. You know, Alistair wins a couple of European golden boots. So he now is fulfilling his potential, as Graham was frustrated with, because he's, you know, the 20s and 20... As soon as I was at the club, I saw this guy could be 30s, high 30s, 40 goals a season. And I think Graham saw the same thing. And that's, you know, the, the frustration that Graham had because Graham was all about maximum potential. Yeah. But he, he, as well as somebody who's, he's, he's a friend of this podcast, he's been on the podcast, I, I find him a person I can rely on. Apart from the winning mentality he was born with and, and, and knocking on the door at Spurs when Bill Nicholson was yeah, yeah, at yeah, age 18, yeah, yeah. why am I not playing? Well, but he's been to Italy where the seriousness was something that Koisty isn't known for. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's patently not the happy lad because yeah. the brain is yeah, yeah. going yeah, yeah. and his brain about being in the right place or anticipating a mistake mm-hmm. is, is excellent. Mm-hmm. But then Graham just got pissed off that they, they yeah. had slightly different views about what was potential. important, yeah, to yeah. how to realise potential. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and maximise your potential. Um, and if you're maximising your potential, you're making... This job easier, Graham's job easier. Much. Yeah, and it makes the, the whole team's job a lot easier. So if everybody maximises throughout the, the, the team, Things become it becomes easier. a joy. Yeah. Through that difficult season, so halfway through, it's clicking for you. The, pen, the penny actually drops. I've gone from 12 stone 3. I arrived at 12 stone 3, went to 13 stone 10 to survive the physical side of the It was so game. much more physical. Yeah, and I just went on... The weights beefed up, and I put yeah a stone and a half on. That's pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. Did that alter your speed in any way? More power. Yeah. I had more power. Um, so I the acceleration. A, yeah, yeah, I had yeah more dynamic energy. We run forward to the last game. Well, we four games out. We should have won the. We, we should have been winning the league three games to go at Motherwell. We had a horrendous result. We get V three, and then we we I think we draw the next game, and so it comes down to nineteen ninety. Ibrox, last game of the season. Your team, Aberdeen. We only have to draw. You only have to draw. And you should have been 1 0 up within the first 15 minutes of the game. Hans Hill has. Yes, yes. The, 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 the pain of it, it was hard to watch four or five years after Alex Ferguson left 
not only become difficult, but the power just shift. Right. And, and therefore, losing was bad, but losing at Ibrox was yeah. worse because it was symbolic of what, what it was, where Scottish football was there. And where it was going to yeah. go. So, as I say, the last game of the season, it's Ibrox is jam-packed, but it's being re refurbed and all that sort of stuff. So everything we're getting changed in a port cabin, right, underneath the main stand. And the main stand was jumping. I mean, it was, it was bouncing. Um, as I say, I never looked at a team sheet ever. Um, so we, are, we come out, because you're coming from different ends underneath the stadium, into the tunnel, and you're standing there. So, always at the back of the last, I tried to be last on the pitch. I've got Gary Stevens in front of me. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking over at their team. Our team talk was very short. It was, you know, it was all motivated. Goffey had his word. John Brown had had his word. I was fired up, down to the bare bones, uh, with with players in, in certain in certain positions. So we was up against it, you know. So nothing, nothing more than I'm going to say, 100% from everybody would get us through this. Um, and I'm standing in, you know in Ferguson's bouncing the ball and throwing the ball under people hitting Aberdeen players on the back of the head and you know getting oh sorry winding people up and I'm, I'm sort of locking down and I'm there's this young goalkeeper and I thought he was a mascot he looked that young I mean he was that fresh very boyish very boyish, yeah, very boyish. Yeah. and I went to Gary Stevens said 10 minutes if you can get to the byline in the first 10 minutes hang one up and I want to see what's going to happen because I wanted to see what the two centre-halves would do in a reaction if, if I could get close to the goalkeeper. Gary gets there, and Gary's crossing was awful. He's always got snow on it. Always got snow on it. So it's ideal. And this young boy makes the first mistake of the game. He comes for this. He should have left it for three centre-halves to head it. So he comes, and he wants the confidence to be able to come. And he opens himself right up to take a high ball. And I'm, I'm between the two centre-halves. And all I'm going to do is knock every piece of wind out of this young boy. And I, and I caught him too well, actually. I caught, well, can never get, and I caught him with an elbow right under his armpit and literally flattened his lung, basically. And he could, as he was going down, he could hear... It's all coming out of him, right? And he hits the floor, and he's boom, and you know, Copeland Road's gone. Whoa! Yes. has gone. Yeah. Whoa! And the two centre halves, right? They sort of go, "Don't come over to me." They look at the young boy on the floor, and from that moment, I knew the game. The game was ours. It was. It was Brian Irvin and. Alex. Alex and at the time I see Alex I says thanks for making me look like Pally that day he really did um, and the first goal was a Mark Walters cross hike into the box great falling over cross and Alex did the, the same thing as Colavarti showed me his number showed me his number and you know the rest is history as I say I wonder if if, if that had been you in the tunnel because mm-hmm. my opinion is part of the early miss part of the way in which my team from the outside this is a fan didn't react with fieriness on the pitch yeah. it might not intimidate you had you, had you been playing in red that day but Ibrox in full throttle you need to be super strong mentally as well as a good player and I wonder if that had been you in red in any stadium not just Ibrox but not playing for Rangers 
and the ball had been knocked off your head in the tunnel. That's the name of the game. You have to intimidate the player you're playing up against. If you can, if you can win that battle before you're even on the pitch, then you're ahead of the game. The, the, the way we want to close, I want to close on glory. Um, now, you, you should have played in the European Cup final. It would have been the first Champions League yes. final, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, our, our sponsors, Bet365, also ask, it's a good question, this. Which was more satisfying? Your goal at Ellen Road in the Battle of Britain or your sumptuous cross for Ali McCoy that effectively wrapped it up? They asked, Mark's known for a lot of assists for Coisty, uh, but most would have been not, headers knocked down, and that cross was Davy Cooper esque. That was Coventry City, and that's where it all started. I get greatest pleasure out the second goal. The first goal I scored against, I scored a goal like that from Motherwell, like three games before that, into the other corner. Not, not so much ferocity, but the same sort of pop right into the far corner. What typified that goal was what Rangers was all about. Brilliant goalkeeper, right? Great back four two creative three creative great midfield players and two guys that can go, score goals or create goals for each other for fun we were under the cost there don't forget the Leeds United side that, that was there it was the Strachan Gary McAllister Cantoners you've got all these all these Tony Dorigos you've got all these players and we get, we're getting battered we used to do that when we went up to Pretoria. We used to get battered and come away and win one nil or two nil. I know. I know. I know. So we were capable of doing that, and we had that inner strength to know we we were able to do that. So we're one nil up. Some sort of mirrored the Gary McAllister goal at Ibrox in the first leg. Scored very early. I'm doing the same thing at Ellen Road. We go one nil up. Takes a bit of pressure off us. Allows us to go boom and be solid, right? And to wind them and grind them, right? And now in a situation where we're under the cosh, we're needing we're needing to get something, right? We're getting into the dynamics of the game. With 20 minutes to go, and it's a crucial period. So Canton is probing, Gary Max probing, Strax probing. The ball comes to to John Brown. He gets his foot, gets his foot in, blocks it, and I've literally come in. If you if you got a back four. Tony Dorigo was up the park. I, I drifted off the two centre-halves into an area, into, into the midfield area. And I was wanting a full-back to come, right? Because if we could get the ball out and get the ball in behind, I'm gonna, I'll be away from him. In behind Tony. Yeah, this is back to Coventry days. Yeah. So, John Brown wins it. He knocks the ball out to me. I flick it between my legs into Ian Durant that's just standing slightly behind me. And all I do, I know I've got the full-back. So I spin right round into a massive acres. area, acres of space. And I know Alistair's not going to support. I know Alistair's going to be away into the, he's going to stretch, stretch into the box. Um, Jasper, Ian Durant, knocks the ball into the space because I know he, he, he would do. And I'm off, right? So if you ever look at the, the study of the goal, and not right on the left wing, I'm sort of come from a middle area. Now my ideal run would have been to take the ball straight but what I wanted to do I wanted to isolate Alistair with one centre half so taking the ball away from him that meant that two centre halves was like Alistair was fighting for a position I know Alistair was not the greatest header of the ball so it had to be a world class cross <laughs> so no argument but, uh, but you so, want to drag you want to yeah, magnet so, so I'm taking another touch and I'm having a look 
and I wanted to I, I really wanted to deliver it probably two touches earlier so he's coming in for a, a, for a, a, a side foot finish so I, I have another touch centre half still still stuck with his with his teammate so I took another touch and then another and then the last touch literally as far as I could go had actually coaxed that first centre half out of the way which left Alistair one on one and I just delivered this ball hard so all Ali has to do is let it hit his head if he's got the direction it's going to go in and, and that's what we did that day um, and first person in the dressing room after that was Alex Ferguson yeah because you know the, the rivalry where we had Manchester and, and, and Leeds and all that sort of stuff and he came into the dressing room and he went fantastic guys got him and Walter really pally he said tonight's on me we're all back in Manchester he'd organised a big nightclub all the Man United boys were there and as I say the rest is history I'm stunned by not the quality of the conversation because we anticipated enjoying this we anticipated revelling in a, a life well spent always trying to be better today and next week than last week you tell your story well in your book Hitting the Mark but for somebody who doesn't go back in his career and look at things to be able to describe even a special goal mm-hmm. that well yeah. is an art yes. it speaks about your football brain but for my taste I'm going to I'm going to a habit of a lifetime I can't believe that I'm going to say I'm glad that you bumped into Graham Souness in Casino Square mm-hmm. for many many yeah, years yeah. I wasn't yes. we're both clear about why yes yes but even though it was my team suffering in the latter part of that anecdote, the the quality of that side you played in, the intelligence, the enjoyment yes. we've had in sharing you talking about your life, Mark, has been exceptional. As I say, can I say that after the leads and going into the group stages, we sh- you, you touched on it before, we should have gone to the cup final. We you should have gone done. to the first Champions League inaugural group stage cup final. We should have gone. If not for... The ugly side of football. Whatever happened, you know, having talked about the Liverpool cinema, the, the red card against Bruges, there's, there's a slight movement of your right arm towards the defender. Pushing him away on the halfway line. Yes. yes. But he's yes. got me in a headlock. Yeah, and then there's a little right... But the truth is Marseille were convicted of, of cheating in that era. Bernatapi, their owner at yeah, that stage, yeah, yeah. just died. Yeah. He went to prison. prison yeah. They bought the French League, yeah. and therefore there will forever be a question mark over that. Yeah. When starring Deschamps and Desailly yeah. with yeah. Oli, yeah. you made a, yeah. a career out of monstering at England yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. I think scored three or four in a six-one win yeah. against four against Basel Basel four in one leg and another in another. It's not bad going. But the truth is that it, you you don't live in the past. You can't change what happened that season. You came within probably a goal, yes. winning the velodrome, yes. one goal, and you go yeah. through to the final yeah. against Milan. It wasn't to be, but it's been a life well spent. It's well told in this book. You've given us extraordinary entertainment. You're you're not just a born storyteller. Mm-hmm. Your attention of detail and your ability to transmit what happened yeah. to you is is Thank rare. You very much, girl. And therefore, our enjoyment has been huge. Um, back page this Christmas, just for all of yes. you have got The Immortals, which is a title for immediately after Mark's reign, but I'm going to say on the record now, Arrigo Saki, Berlusconi and The Immortals could not have done what they did without Attila hitting the mark to set the scene for what happened at Milan. 
massive pleasure meeting you and listening yeah. to you. Yeah. You're an extremely good storyteller about a life well spent. Thank you very much. Thank bro. you for joining the big yes. interview. Yes. Hope you enjoy, guys. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson.